Welcome. You've got Dustin Atwood, A1 Custom Car Care, here in the studio. We are going to kick things off. This is going to be a new chapter in the A1 Custom Car Care Hour. Uh, we're going to have a full-time co-host that I am super excited about. Miss Sarah? I'm really excited about it, too. So it's good. you're going to have both of us every week. Yes. And we're going to talk about some of the current events, like mm-hmm. we always have. I'll try not to get super technical all the time. <laughs> I'll reel you in. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, and I sure need it. So we always start out, Sarah, where did you come from? Kind of a little bit about yourself, and uh, then we'll kind of just dive into the show from there. Sure. Well, my name is Sarah Myers, and um, I grew up in Fairgrove, so just a couple, yep, couple miles north of Springfield. Graduated in 2014, and I studied electronic media production, so I really love media. I love radio, TV, all of that. And when I was 17 years old, I started working in radio, another wow. set of stations here in Springfield. Um, I worked there for a couple of years, and then I joined the KSGF team back in December of 2017. So I've been a part of KSGF for four years now, and I started off as the weekend producer slash yep. producer kind of throughout the week um, when Nick would be on the road he would do like the friday road show and then for a long time he had um just road shows here and there um and then i would of course join in when they would have like extra events like uh we typically do like a float trip we always do some type of event for um like the dav or the honor flight which is fantastic yes i um, love those me too so i would help out with those and then became nick's full-time producer monday through friday Uh, about two years ago and so that's where I'm at right now and typically I just run the board I do a little bit of talking I do a whole lot of stuff for our website help with events and planning and just a little hodgepodge of things I guess well and you've been the the primary producer for this show since you came on Mm -hmm. so very familiar with what's going on have had a lot of influence, and I'm super excited for that influence to spread out a little bit and be more involved with what's going on. Um, you have definitely been uh, a really awesome, uh, as a spectator, to watch how you've grown, and this is your chosen profession. Yes. I mean, I can tell, and, and I'm sure you can as well, when you go into another business and you meet somebody that they choose to do that for mm-hmm. a living, it makes such a difference. It's such a different experience. So from this side, and you guys will have to just envision this, from this side of the board, I've sat here since you know the beginning when you came on and seen really where you've set the bar very high and performed just an amazingly uh, professional level. So for you to kind of bring that in in the real world part of that and be a part of the show, I can't tell you how excited I am. I really that. appreciate that. I'm very passionate about my job. It's something that it shows. Um, I talk about quite a bit. My job is kind of like my life. You know, it kind of gets intermingled. Yes. But I, I choose for it to be that way because I really, truly love my job. I mm-hmm. love the listeners. I love meeting the listeners. I love, I just, I love what I do. And that's a really good Good fit too because I love what I do, you love what you do, yes. and together we can make an awesome, passionate right. radio experience. <laughs> well, and you have taught me a lot about that. Obviously, radio is not my background. This is something that um, kind of just evolved. You know, those doors sometimes they're there and you choose to walk through them. And I think it's been five or so years that 
A1 Custom Car Care has been doing the show. And you have taught a lot of that to me about the listeners and the radio and, and all that stuff. So I'm super thankful for that. Um, as we go along, I think we're going to be able to do some questions. And you're going to bring that sure. fresh side of it to kind of the show, uh, which I'm just uber excited about as the show continues to grow and you know we reach more and more people which is really really awesome so uh i do want to talk about a couple of things today and one of the big things is the shortage of vehicles out there now you had mentioned that they had been i want to say soliciting to purchase your car yes i cannot tell you how many letters that i have received in the (laughs) mail and probably I would say the last six months, you know, $500 if you just bring your car in, $1,500 to buy it right away and wow. on top of, you know, what the trade-in value mm-hmm. would be. Or, and I've just kind of ignored them. I'm like, no, thank you. I am happy with my vehicle. Yeah. And it's not just me that's receiving those. It's it's my friends. It's uh-huh. my family. It's it's not just me. It's basically anybody who's purchased a new vehicle in the last several years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was sharing with Sarah off air a little bit ago. Um, I've got a good friend in the construction business, and he had a later model. It was within five-year uh, or, or or newer diesel pickup, and he gave, I think, mid-40s for it. had about 30,000 miles on it, um, and his wife needed a new vehicle, and they happened to drive his truck up to, to look at it, and they were just hot and heavy trying to buy his truck. They were going to give him like $5,000 more than he bought it for originally, with 30,000 miles and have owned it several years and they were going to mark it up obviously and make more money than that. So they were probably going to mark it up and get 60,000 for this $45,000 truck. That is insane. It is. It's just absolutely incredible the time that we're in, which is good for people um, because the value of your vehicle is obviously up. So that's always good. The problem with this is, is trying to replace it. So what would you do if you and Ryan decided to get rid of your vehicle? What would you replace it with? Do you guys have any uh, thoughts about what your next up-and-coming vehicle is going to be? You know, I don't know exactly, Mm -hmm. but me and Ryan are looking for a house in Uh the uh, country. So we really need something four-wheel drive, uh, and we also plan on having children here in the next couple of years. So I'm going to need a vehicle with four-wheel drive, something that is reliable, and something that has plenty of room to kind of space us all out. Yeah, and and, uh, you're not the only one in that boat, but right now I see a lot of people, you know, I don't want to say getting desperate, but uh, you know, they're trying to fill those voids for whatever reason. Thankfully, you guys have good transportation, but God forbid something happened. And you guys need a vehicle, you know, right away, you've got to really do your due diligence. And that's kind of why we're talking about a lot of this is so hopefully people understand. Um, I know I've been pointed out for weeks and weeks at this point, but you drive by a new car lot right now. It's a ghost town. Yeah. I could not believe whenever you told me a couple of weeks ago how short they were with vehicles because you're used to seeing, you know, rows and rows and rows. And oh, yeah. Hundreds of vehicles in every color that you can imagine. Yeah. And it is just absolutely, there's nothing. Well, and you're paying a premium on it. Um, if you do find something, you don't have the luxury to kind of waffle on it because if you don't buy it at that point and sign on the dotted line or write the check, there's multiple people waiting in line that that salesman's going to be able to call or message and they'll come and buy it right away. So that opens up a lot of the industry for, I don't want to say foul play, but that's probably the best way that I can put it, which basically what I mean by that is that people are going to be buying vehicles 
that uh, because of the, the lack of inventory that have underlying issues that because you didn't go through the normal checkout process or, you know, kind of that guarded inspection process that you're going to have such a uh, unfortunate experience should you choose to buy a vehicle that isn't, you know, up to par. And, you know, used market, buying something late model right now, it's not uncommon to spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. Unfortunately, if you buy something with that kind of money, you expect it to be good, right? I know I do. Even if it's $5,000, you know, when somebody gets a new car, you expect it to perform and do okay. And say, you know, you buy something, a vehicle, automotive repair is not cheap. They're not making these cars um, any more simple, <laughs> you know. The more complex they get, the more expense they get, and it drives the cost up. And right now, the latest number on the used car side of it that I can share with you all is that from this time last year till now, you're paying a 30% premium on used vehicles. That's a big deal. And I know there's about every car lot I drive by has signs or billboards out there. I drove by Mays last night out in Aurora, which is a very big dealer. They have a huge digital sign that says, hey, we want to buy your car today. We pay today just so they'll have some kind of inventory. That's a big, big deal. Can you imagine paying 30% more than you did uh, when you bought your car a few oh years gosh, back? no. Because yeah. back then I thought, man, that's kind of high price because I bought a pre-owned. I yep. don't believe it was certified. I think it was just right there on the edge of certified. But, yep. yeah, even then I was still kind of like, man, this is kind of high, but I can't imagine buying one today. 30% more than you pay interest on it, 30% you know, uh, more interest as well, not to mention you know, if you got to do some work to it. And I know we've done a little bit of work to yours, but for the most part, it's been a pretty dependable car for you, if I recollect right. Yep, don't jinx it, though. I know. I definitely <laughs> won't. Um, as we go through... Um, I did some digging and CNBC had a clip out there on the, or is an article on the shortage of chips. Cause that's the big reason why a lot of this has happened. And I don't know how you feel about this. I realize COVID has been a big deal, but that has basically what they're chalking all this up to is the shortage from all the shutdowns from COVID. So when we come back, I'm going to get into some of the dollars and cents because anytime you got an issue, if you track the dollars and cents, it pretty much takes you to the truth, in my opinion. But we'll discuss that right after the break. Welcome back. You've got Dustin Adler Sarah Myers here. We are now a, a co-hosting team. Yeah. We left the break, and I wanted to give some hard kind of information. Like I said, this was CNBC did an article on the chip shortage which is why we're having a lot of the issues. So there was a fire in Tokyo, wiped out a big plant that manufactures them. Um, the COVID is the other reason that they're chalking this up, and I feel like that's just going to be this decades, like, uh, oh, that was the decade of COVID, unfortunately. But everybody shut down. There is a wafer that basically is the backing part of the chip and then a semiconductor, and there can be up to 1,400 of these on your vehicles. The cars you're driving right now, there's up to 1,400 of them. And as technology and the bells and whistles on your car continue to increase, this becomes more of a vital part that has to be serviced on your vehicle when it fails. For instance, we have a late model F-150 that somebody had done some 
aftermarket programming to the computer. I hope you can you can uh, feel the sarcasm in that statement and messed up the software. Well, I need to get a new PCM, which stands for powertrain control module. And we've had this truck for a couple of months at this point waiting on this. So this is hitting close to home for our customer. So I can get a new computer to put in there because of these semiconductors and wafers built inside of them. So as the vehicles get more complex, they add more and more. Well, the shortage continues to make this worse and worse and more difficult for you and I both. I assure you, uh, we pride ourselves in being able to turn the vehicles back to you much quicker than most automotive repair facilities. Well, unfortunately, my hands are tied on this kind of stuff because I sheerly cannot get the volume of parts and we are exhausting every resource and opening every door with good quality parts that we possibly can. So how is this going to affect the economic side of it? And this is something as I get older, I get more interested in. They're talking about this being a $110 billion decrease in revenue globally for the automotive industry. Now, what does that mean? Obviously, it means that, you know, because of lack of inventory, if you don't have it, you can't sell it, okay? And if you do have it, because of the shortage, you're going to sell it for more, but you're going to lose it in volume, okay? So $110 billion is the latest estimation of what this is going to cost the industry globally. And as I kind of look at some of the stock features, I've been following Ford lately. I bought a couple of Ford stocks just so uh, when I'm unhappy with Ford, I can complain about them because I feel like I've got some skin in the game. Just saying. Um, so as I look at their 52-week low, they uh, at one point in time were at $5.74 a share. We're up north of $14, bordering on $15 right now. It's been as high as a little over 15 bucks, so we're kind of at the peak. Uh, I see 16, almost 50 there was kind of the peak over the last year. That actually peaked when they released the new all-electric F-150, okay? So the hype around that really drove up kind of that stock price. But the reason I'm bringing all this up is because as they still continue to struggle with inventory, I'm sure it's going to affect it economically. And it's not just Ford. I'm using them as an example. GM, Dodge, Fiat, uh, some of your Asian manufacturers are having some issues as well. Um, but it's going to cause them to struggle going forward. I don't know that it's going to affect their stock price because, unfortunately, I think we're at the point that, you know, tweeting and Instagram and all that stuff, unfortunately, inflates some of the stock prices more than whether they're actually making money or not. Obviously, everybody knows about the Reddit kind of action that's been going on in some of the markets. So I'm not saying they're going to have a dip on that side of it. But when you look at the, the whether they made money or lost money, that's really going to be an issue going forward because they don't have the inventory. Now, at some point in time, it's going to catch up. And I do expect things to come back. I don't want to say to the new normal, but it's going to settle down and level out. Um, right now, the biggest buzz has been the lumber industry right now and how expensive it was. And you see it's been a decrease about 30% when you look at lumber futures right now. And I don't want to bore you guys on that kind of stuff. It's just if you don't pay attention 
to some of the things going on out in the world, you don't know why when you need a two by four, it's $58. Now it's not $58. It's the same with the housing industry right now too. All right. Well lay that on me. What's going on there? It's unreal. Well, there's a housing shortage. And so for people who are wanting to purchase a home like me, um, (laughs) it's impossible to find one. It goes on the market and boom, within, um, I believe it's like four days or less is like the going rate for southwest missouri right now that's absolutely crazy you know it'd be awesome we bought i think oh it's been almost five years ago and the equity in our house right now would be a great time to sell yeah but what am i gonna do if i sell it kidding i I gotta keep with what i got which i'm very thankful for so what is it you guys are looking for specifically tell me about what your like cookie cutter family dream home uh, where are you looking and what would it be? Um, we are looking north of Springfield. Okay. So Fairgrove, Pleasant Hope. So you want to stay around your stomping grounds. Yep. Somewhere in there, um, south of Bolivar, south of Buffalo sure. in that area. Um, we just want like a little farmhouse. I don't care if it's a fixer upper. Mm-hmm. I don't No, I don't want it falling down. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but if I have to replace some flooring or tear down a wall i am okay with that but yeah we want some acreage i grew up on kind of a little family farm Mm -hmm. we had when i say family farm i mean there was like five cows (laughs) but that's what we want we just you know want a couple of cows a couple of chickens just a little bit of acreage and a place for our future children to roam heck yeah yep that sounds perfect if that's you please contact emily johnson there you go (laughs) and let her know that they need to steer it towards sarah So I think it translates out there, but as we come up on these bubbles, which is kind of what we've been talking about, your point to the housing market is definitely a huge bubble. If you pay attention to history, unfortunately, every bubble, there is a burst. And at that burst point in time, if you're paying attention to things that are going on, whether you're buying a car, new or used, buying a home or or seeking a home, as Sarah's doing, um, as long as you're patient and you don't just make that emotional decision that you're saddled with the consequences is where I see it a lot here in the automotive industry. And you all see it if you buy you know, a home or whatever it is in your life as well, if whether you make the money on the deal on the front side. And what I mean by that is if you buy something and then you get a whole bunch of trouble that you didn't plan on, that's where you lose the money. So you want to do your due diligence and take the emotion out of it. That's one of the biggest things that I see happen a lot of times is the market gets hot. People think, oh, I can't or I won't be able to get one if I don't buy one now. So they lower their standards or they don't go through the process. And then all of a sudden you're saddled with something that you weren't planning on. So you, you know, I know buying a home by the time you pay closing costs, I mean, I know our last one, I think we had over $10,000 out of pocket to close the deal. And I'm sure right now with it being in a boom, it's probably even up. uh, And I've also noticed the lending side of things constrict down, um, whether it's home or, uh, you know, automotive, whatever it is, the lending side is getting tighter. And that's concerning to me for sure, especially with as much money as they're flooding, uh, you know, out of thin air out to everybody. Um, when the lending side of it constricts down, then it makes it that much more important to stick to your guns and, and again, keep the emotion out of it. You know, I've seen people buy cars because they look nice, the paint's nice, interior's nice, it's got rims, it's got a good stereo, 
but unfortunately the mechanical side of it comes up and slaps them in the face and gets their attention when it won't drive, it won't stop, it won't idle, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Fill in the blank with whatever catastrophic failure that you weren't planning on. Um, and I don't want you to be in that boat. So the reason we do this show is to keep you up on current events because if you're informed, you're going to be better tooled or equipped to deal with those situations and know about it and not let that emotion take over. I, I And I'm speaking from uh, experience, even though I'm an industry person, you know, if I find something I want it, I'm getting it. Well, I've, I've had to do it the hard way. For me, it's not necessarily, it is financial when I make a bad decision like that because I got to buy parts, but it's a time commitment that really gets my attention. The older I get, the more I see time as a commodity and valuable, and I don't want to just spend all this time trying to make up for a poor decision, not to mention the money. The money is important as well, um, but the time part of it's a big deal, and, and that's with everybody. Life continues, in my experience, to get faster and faster and faster. And hopefully maybe someday I'm in a spot that I can control and slow it down. And I hope you can as well. But you see and listen to very highly successful people. That's really what they gain from being successful or some of their hard work that they did previously or some of their good decisions that paid off big time is they get that freedom of time. And I'm figuring out that that's a big deal and very, very important. And I'm very thankful um, to you know hopefully continue to grow and build my ability to manage my time more efficiently. And I hope you all do as well. We're down at the bottom of the hour. We are going to step into a break. You'll have Sarah and I back here shortly. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I all right, welcome back. You've got Dustin Atwood, Sarah Myers here in the show today. Sarah, I want to get your input. I was around another shop owner recently, great shop owner. And listens to the show. And you know as well as I do, you've been in uh, a part of most of these shows we've done for a long time now, that I talk about maintenance quite often. Yes. And my premise is, is the more care and preventative maintenance we do to your car, the less money it's going to cost you. Yes. The the less chance you're going to have for a breakdown. Mm -hmm. Because I sure don't want you or Brian or whoever it is. Going out, need to go to work, store, hospital, gas station, whatever it is you feel like doing, and the car not go or the car not stop. Yes. That's my main focus, and I'm thankful to be a part of a company and a bunch of guys and gals that do an amazing job. They really do. Making that happen. And so he brought it up to me, and I'd, I'd like to hear your thought process because it struck me weird. And he's like, hey, you know, you talk a lot about maintenance. Does that make any difference to your customers? Uh, because customers don't care about maintenance was his point of view of how that goes. And I don't want to say that, you know, he kind of felt like it really, I shouldn't be spending time on that, but I think that's the sheer reason that I should be spending time on it because, you know, you would think as a repair facility, we love getting big broken cars in because it costs a lot of money and it's a lot of work for us. Um, but you've, come in and seen how we take care of business we almost do it the exact opposite it's not that we can't or we don't want to fix your big broken cars um, but we get a lot more joy out of preventing that from happening so what do you think about maintenance you know is it just oil changes or what's your 
perception of it? Well, I think that you guys do a great service by talking about maintenance because it oftentimes, if you don't take care of your vehicle, it can lead to a more expensive Mm -hmm. problem later down the road. And that is, that's something that I can't afford necessarily. I can afford, you know, a 50 buck change here or a hundred bucks there. And I I can't afford a $5,000 repair. So I would much rather take my vehicle in when it's first making a weird sound or it's not starting right or just something is wrong. And I would much rather know that I need to get something fixed or, you know, we need to replace this part now Mm -hmm. before it breaks and then it affects five other parts. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maintenance is incredibly important. And I think that your shop does a really great job with taking care of that, I feel like that is a honesty and an integrity thing because you're looking out for your consumers at the end of the day. Well, and we want to make everybody a part of it. I think you've probably gotten some of our digital vehicle inspections. I love that. <laughs> yes. I am one of those people. I do not understand what you tell me. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. I love the digital vehicle inspection because you can send me photos. You can break down what is wrong with it. And one, photos helps. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely helps me to see what you were talking about. You can explain all day long that this part is broken and this and that. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. But if I can see a photo of the part that's broken, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that is definitely broken. Yeah. Or I can show it to my husband, mm-hmm. who is a little more vehicle inclined, if you will. Yeah. And he can say, oh, okay, yeah, well, that makes sense. And mm-hmm. he can kind of break it down. And you guys do a fantastic job as that as well, because I'll be like, I have no idea what you sent me. And then you guys will explain it to yeah. me. We want to make sure that everybody's a part of what's going on. You know, it's not... Forever, it's like, oh, you know, I got to go into the shop, you know, and and you have this big hesitation, if you will. Do I need that? They called and said it was this much. Did they really do it? And, you know, the more we can make folks a part of that and and that trusted person in your family that you can, you know, go to or send it on your smartphone or email and see what it is we're talking about makes a huge difference making you a part of that process because it's not us against you. I assure you it's not. It definitely has to be a team effort. I need good information on what's going on. What do you want looked at? What do you want fixed? This is what we find, and this is the direction of how we proceed from there. So the maintenance side of it, the biggest thing I struggle with as a service advisor, when you bring your car, and I want to do a great job listening, That's a huge thing, especially as a guy. I got to make sure and focus on and then do a great job articulating that or passing it out to the technician and to do a good job being a liaison back and forth of how we take care of that. The reason that I finally had this eye opening moment as I grew as a technician and then as a service advisor, et cetera, was just because the fact you didn't know that you should have maintained this or this noise was a problem and you went too far until it breaks down doesn't make it any cheaper when it finally fails. And that's the point when I got to come to Sarah and be like, hey, you know, this is $2,800 or $800. I don't care which one. If you're not planning for that, that's a whole lot of money for you. Yeah. It it is for me, I know. And I don't want to be at that point. And God forbid, maybe you choose not to do that maintenance service. And that's okay. It's your car. At least you're aware of it. So unfortunately, when it does you know, give up the ghost and break because that's the number one thing that we have failures come in is lack of maintenance. And I can prove it to you time and time and time again that 
when it does fail, you know that we are in your corner and doing our best to take care of it because we were trying to head it off in the beginning. Um, I've worked with technicians um, over the years of my career that don't believe in maintenance. I, I find that hard to believe. Well, their perception was, well, I fix broken cars, so why would I maintain things? Well, those are not the people that we have at A1 Custom across the board. That's not our philosophies, nor is it our normal process. And we have, because of our success, we've been able to attract other folks. And you've been at pretty much all of our stores at this point. I have, even the ones in Arkansas. Even the ones in Arkansas, which I I spend uh, some time at usually every week. And as a company, what we do differently is one of the most important things, in my opinion. There are some great shops out there, absolutely amazing shops. There are shops that focus on broken cars, and that's their entire uh, premise. I'm sure there are doctors that focus on broken people, but there are also doctors that focus on the preventive side of medicine, and that's essentially what you know we're modeling or our philosophies as well. We want you to keep your car many, many trouble-free miles after payoff. I know at some point in time you've had a paid-off vehicle, And it's a really, really nice thing not to make a payment every month. And that's really what we want to do. When you go buy another truck or a car or whatever, uh, some of those loans, um, do you know how much a three-quarter ton or a one-ton diesel pickup is right now? Like an upper echelon trim package? I don't know. Probably 50 to 70. So I got a flare that I really want one at some point in time. I'm not doing it anytime soon. But a late model loaded, whether it's a Ford or a Chevy, was $86,000 oh, for their upper trim package. Undershot that. <laughs> yeah. I, we're at we're knocking on the door of a six-figure vehicle at Yikes. some point in time. So by the time you spread that out, they're going to have to be a 10-year note, and it's still going to be $1,000-plus a month, not to mention the tax on that. I, can, I, I can't even figure that in my head to be like five grand. Ugh. Is that not just very troublesome? That is insane. Yeah. You'd have to keep that. Like, I'd have to buy that truck now, and I'm in my late 30s at this point, mid to late 30s. We'll we'll stick to the mid. (laughs) Uh, But I'd have to keep that truck for the next 40 years to get my value out of it. That's crazy. In the used market for that, like, say, a few years old, like if you want to let the depreciation and the first owner take the hit and then you buy it used, they're in the forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar area, and and it's just crazy. So if you don't keep up on it, uh, it's it's pretty amazing. I just I find it hard to believe that people won't want to care for those kinds of vehicles, and it doesn't got to be that high end. Uh, we had a vehicle here; it was probably an O two or O three Chevy. I think it was an Uplander, like the little van. Years ago, people, when it, we had one come in, it needed a transmission. And uh, normally when it gets to that point and you get that expense, people usually just let it go and they go get a new vehicle. Well, I'm seeing where people are reinvesting. Even sometimes I think that was about a $3,500 repair in an older vehicle, A, because you can't replace it. You can't find another one. And B, they don't want to buy the new stuff out there because it ain't there. And if they do, they got to pay big bucks for it. So all of a sudden, a repower, and I know you've heard me talk about that mm-hmm. on the show, yep. is not such a big deal. It's been in the aviation industry for decades. It's not uncommon to buy a used plane that's a 1970 blah, 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 
and not think anything of it because the maintenance has been spot on, documented, and mandated, I think, by the FAA, I assume. I'm not a pilot. Maybe someday I will be. But there's a, a quite a used market out there for older, uh, repowered planes. Um, a, because they're so doggone expensive to buy new ones. We're in the same boat, folks. We're in the same boat to where if you have a vehicle that's paid off, you paid the taxes on it, and unfortunately maybe something does go by the wayside, it's not uh, financially unresponsible because they're not disposable to where you just throw it away and get a new one. Uh, you know, I know my personal vehicles are 350,000 plus miles. I've got two pickups that are, they're over 350, very dependable. I take them hundreds of mile trips on a very regular basis, uh, with little or no problems. Um, I'm pretty meticulous, especially because of their age and mileage about my treat, uh, pre-trip inspections or checks. Um, I ask that you do the same thing. Uh, we do a lot of pre-trip inspections at each one of our locations. I will ask that you make an appointment for that because we are pretty busy. And I want to make sure you have the time necessary to make sure that you have as much uh, probability of a trouble-free trip as possible. So that's our philosophy at A1 Custom. That's why we go about things differently than a lot of folks have experienced at other facilities. We are up against our last break. We will be right back after this. Welcome back. You've got Dustin Allen and Sarah Myers here in the studio. Sarah, I am going to pull you back in here. I'm here. You wanted to talk about travel. Yes. Well, it's the 4th of July weekend. Happy Independence Day. When it comes to... uh, especially Independence Day travel, it's usually very hot. Yes. And it's been pretty humid. Uh, You were doing some digging here. We've done some travel shows. Hopefully people tuned in. I think uh, the last couple of weeks, if you missed it, it is on our podcast. Uh, I believe we're on iTunes and Spotify. Is that correct? that is it. So I had some friends of mine ask about it if we had a podcast, so I directed them. They found it pretty easy. Oh, good. So that was uh, it was linked through KSGF, I think, is what Mm -hmm. you need to search And then A1 Custom Car Care, and you will find it. If you have friends or family that are going to be traveling, I urge you to send them the podcast or direct them to it. Um, but in this topic, when we talk about traveling, Sarah, are you guys going to be doing any traveling? Let's start there. We are. We are going to go up to Jeff City ah. on on the 4th. Uh, you know, of course, it is Missouri's Bicentennial. Oh, yep. that's, I didn't so, know that. Yep. So Missouri will be celebrating its 200th birthday. That's um, awesome. I believe it's August 10th wow is the official date i really need to be a better history buff especially <laughs> local stuff they are going to be celebrating the bicentennial and they're going to have fireworks over the capitol oh, there's be cool yeah and it's i That's mean a it's a week long too. yeah it's a weekend long celebration they're going to have um like a car show nice. they're going to have a parade um just i think there's a couple like pie eating contests things like that <laughs> so be great. yeah so fun filled weekend but we're going to go up there tomorrow and we're going to watch the fireworks over the capitol um if you want more information on that we do have that at ksgf.com awesome. little plug there very cool but if you do plan on traveling the worst time is 
today oh. to travel. People are cutting out of work, aren't they? That Yep. So let me see. It says the highest traffic will be between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. So if you do plan on traveling today and you're taking some major highways, mm-hmm. just be aware of that be more patient yep now they speaking to myself by the way i'm horrible about that now uh triple a does say that tomorrow should be actually pretty good to travel so the fourth if you are planning on traveling that day it looks like it's going to be kind of a uh, free flow so you should be able to kind of come and go as you please but it will probably get a little bit busier the later on in the evening and afternoon times it looks like the weather and i don't want to be the weather guy by no means but it looks like the weather is going to be decent especially through the rest of the week and hopefully we've got all the rain out of our system i think so my goodness it seemed like every time i wanted to do something outside rain mow rain mow rain it's been incredible but it's looking pretty nice looks like mid 80s um, and clear. It looks like no chance of rain. Don't hold me to that. I'm not a meteorologist. I'm just <laughs> telling you what I see here. So as you do travel, um, I know recently, and I think hopefully I'm making connecting the dots well, um, you checked into renting a car to do some traveling. Yes, we will be doing that in September. We finally got a, ah, a date set for that. Nice. Yep. So we are going to go down to Orlando, Florida. Ooh, I know. Sweet. We're going in September, we're going to go celebrate our one-year wedding anniversary. Congratulations, Thank by you. the way. So we're going to do that. But, man, rental cars yeah. were unreal. Typically, a, a a week for a rental car would cost, I don't know, anywhere like two, 300 bucks. Yeah. We are under a certain age, so they like to tack on a young driver's <laughs> fee. Yeah. So that always made our vehicles a little bit more pricey. But right. yeah, the, the prices for rental vehicles have shot up in the last six, eight months. So we had a customer, and I think maybe I shared this with you, but I think it's worth noting. Um, we had done an engine, had some problems a couple years later, still under warranty. We took care of it in-house, but they were going to be without a car for a little while. And so they're like, hey, you know, I'm just going to get a rental. Um, she wanted it for five days. It was over $800 oh for, and, and I'm not talking about renting a Bentley or anything. Yeah, just a regular. Yeah, this was like the economy class, like, you know, uh, I'm assuming it's a mid-sized sedan is what I had pictured. But yeah, almost a thousand bucks for just a few days. And I talked about it, you know, I think when we talked about this last time, the rental cars sold off all their inventory when COVID hit. So it was a really good time to buy. We did a show on it back then. So it was about a year ago, maybe probably a little over that. Well, they just thought, oh, during the lull, we'll sell off all of our overhead and we'll rebuy. Well, they can't rebuy because there aren't any cars. And so thankfully she had a friend, let her borrow the car. No big deal. Saved her almost a G, which is just incredible to me. So the rental car side of things is still a super hot market. Hopefully you can avoid some of that stuff. Uh, or in your case, hopefully by September, the cost has come down yep. is really we what I'm went hoping. Went ahead and reserved it. So, so. you did. So yep. are you locked in and just for curiosity on that price? I believe so. I wasn't the one that officially uh-huh. rented it. So uh-huh. not totally sure what the exact price was at the end of it. Yeah. But I remember looking because we were originally going to go sometime in in june sometime in july somewhere in that Mm -hmm. range and it was just it was ridiculous yeah 
because you know once you get down there and you drive you got to pay for gas and gas prices have went up and then of course you know your hotels and your your travels your souvenirs all that stuff life yeah yeah just the life the fun life stuff and so hopefully and really in the big scheme of things your reason for going is well worth whatever the cost is so that's pretty exciting and it'll be that memorable thing you know that uh, hey this is a a big earmark in our timeline, if you will. So that's super cool. Do you guys like driving? Do you guys like doing their old road trip I kind of thing? Absolutely love it. That's actually what we did for our honeymoon. We drove out to like Las Vegas. We went to Bryce and Zion Cannon. We drove back up. We went through Colorado. And I just, that's how I grew up. We Mm -hmm. never took plane rides or anything like that. We just loaded in the car. We got a cooler, got drinks and, you know, sandwich fixings. And that's what we did. And I have drove so (laughs) many places. We've drove to California and back. We've been as far as, I believe, um, West Virginia through that way. So I've drove through, I think, I'm at 36 states Oh, nice. That's fantastic. Yes. Now, if memory strikes some of the earlier conversations, you've done parts or all of the Route 66 uh, trip. And that's something I definitely have some aspirations to do at some point in time, whether it's take the camper and, uh, you know, make some events, see some things along the way. Um, Stacy will probably vouch I am a Nazi about our trips and the mechanical side of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just I do that because as a kid, we traveled. Um, our cars were not, how do I say that? They were junk. <laughs> and so a lot of times, you know, thankfully my dad had a, you know, automotive background, worked at a lot of dealerships in their body shop. And so we would have to fix things kind of out on the road. That's how things used to be. And now they have changed so much. The, you know, the inconvenience of a breakdown is not all that simple anymore. It's not, oh, you just, you know, put this wire hose back together and away you go. If you have a failure out on the road, a lot of times you're calling a tow truck, and nobody's got time for that. So I am very diligent about our tires, fluids. Every time I stop for fuel, I'm probably a little, well, not probably. I am super overbearing on that stuff. But I don't. I, I consider it a letdown if we have a breakdown out on the road, and I don't want that to happen ever. You know, it would be one thing I, uh, I'm going to tell on myself real quick. I know we're probably winded down on time but i uh, was following a tractor trailer too close and i'm always very diligent about what i do and i was not able to avoid a large chunk of tractor trailer tire that he went right over and then i got it just immediately because i wasn't at a good adequate following distance so a lot of those road uh courtesies or diligence that's where the patient side of me has to come in I get in a big hurry. I always make very good time, barring I get a high-speed driving award and I have to go see Mr. Wyatt occasionally. (laughs) Uh, But he's been a blessing for me, for sure. He's a a good, uh, great man to know and uh, has helped me out many times because I am in a hurry a lot of the times. I hope you guys are not, though. Being patient, paying attention, getting over when you see somebody broke down on the side of the road or the shoulder i've done roadside service and serviced people's breakdowns the courtesy from other drivers needs to improve and i hope we're training our next drivers if you are ever in that driver's ed uh, role as the teacher instructor you must teach them to pay attention and if you have stalled vehicles whether it's a passenger car 
or an 18-wheeler, whatever it is, you need to give them room because they're – like I said, I've done the roadside service. I've stopped. I can't tell you how many tires I've changed, troubleshooting that I've done on the side of the road. They need room. It is very, very, very dangerous, not only for you on the side of the road, but for the person that unfortunately doesn't give enough room, and you don't want any part of that regardless of what it is. So we want to make sure that we're diligent about that as you travel. Uh, Some of my best tips when you stop for fuel, give it a once-over before you leave. Make sure your fluids are in good shape. Check the fluids while you're at the gas station. Um, don't take the radiator cap off because it's going to be hot and burn you. So don't do that. Uh, most of your fluids are in a clear ish container. You can usually spot check them without having to remove any caps. Um, make sure it's in good shape. And then tires. Tires is one of your very number one breakdowns. I stop for fuel as I'm letting the pump run. I'm not getting back in the car and just letting the pump run. Don't be that guy or gal. I walk around and I put the palm of my hand on the sidewall of each tire. If you have a low tire, that tire will be hotter than the other ones. It creates more rolling resistance and friction. And friction, the byproduct of friction, typically is always heat. So you want to make sure and catch that early, not to ruin a tire, not to have a breakdown. Deal with it on your terms, not its terms. Have a super and safe Independence Day. Miss Sarah, it was fantastic with you being a part of the show this week. Thank you so much. Have a safe and fun weekend, everybody. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth, and we'll both see you next week.